Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. On, 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and express. Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to Wealthy Las Vegas for the Baseball Winning Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific podcast for you. As in the second segment, Javon Alford. He does great work over there at DraftKings. He's a staff writer for them. Puts out a couple bets. Looks at a lot of things from a daily fantasy perspective. We're going to be looking at Friday's games from both a daily fantasy perspective. And we're also going to be taking a look at a couple bets for Friday as well. We're also going to be talking about what he's just noticed in baseball so far this year in general as well. So going to have some fun there then in the final segment. Going to give you guys a side turtle on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter. So always send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Did not wind up getting in any today, but... We did have a fun day of baseball on Thursday, so let's take a look back and I tried to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. While you guys may not have had any questions for the podcast today, I've got one. 
Why do the San Francisco Giants continue to get disrespected? Close at most places right around a minus 120 favorite, and they get the job done against the Chicago Cubs, 72 the final. Now 16 and 8 at home, 35 and 21 overall against a Cubs team that they are sub 500 on the road. Now Jack Peterson was able to go deep off of Anthony D. Scalfani, his fifth of the season, but. That'd be the lone blemish on his record as for D. Scalfani gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Geraldine Garcia, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen, and Zach Liddell closes things out in the ninth. And Brandon Crawford, oh brothers, he went deep off of Rex Brothers for his 12th home run of the season. Rex Brothers comes out of the bullpen, gives up that solo home run while recording four outs. And for Zach Davies, well, it's not necessarily been a great year for him. He gives up four runs over the course of four and a third innings still in Maples. He comes out of the bullpen. He had been rock solid prior to this. Gives up two runs, records four outs, and then Brad Wiak winds up being able to give you a scoreless setting. But for the Giants, they just continue to roll. Speaking of being able to roll, that's what the Seattle Mariners were able to do over the LA Angels. 6-2 the final for the Seattle Mariners. Pair of home runs in this one. Jake Fraley gets his first home run of the season. He's got a frail 200 batting average, but he goes deep in this one. His first of the campaign off of Griffin Canning and then Alex Claudio winds up giving it up to Corey Seager, his 11th of the season for the Angels. Griffin Canning continues to be highly inconsistent for the team. Three and a third innings, he gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Claudio winds up giving up that home run over the course of two innings, just one run. Hunter Strickland was able to give you a scoreless inning, and then Jose Suarez comes in in long relief, two and two-thirds innings, gives up a run, and for the LA Angels, pair of home runs themselves. Justin Upton was able to get his 11th of the season, and Jared Walsh, he also gets his 13th of the season. Those both come off of Justice Sheffield. For Sheffield, that's all he would give up. Two solo home runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, and a Seattle Mariners bullpen, which has been on a little bit more tough times recently, but still by and large has been solid. They step up Paul Sewell, Keenan Middleton, Rafael Montero, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and then JT Jargois, he was able to come in, he was able to give you a third of an inning as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, now 29-29 and 29 as the Angels not necessarily having the world's greatest year as they've currently got a negative 46 run differential, which is not what you'd necessarily want. What else you don't want is to be the Cincinnati Reds and their extreme home and road splits, but this time on the road they get the job done. 4-2 to the final. You have Vladimir Gutierrez give up two runs over the course of five innings, and then Lucas Sims, TJ Antone come out of the bullpen. Two scoreless innings apiece for the Cincinnati Reds. Jesse Winker is 14th home run of the season. That comes off of Adam Wainwright, who by and large has been able to do a very good job at home. On the road, not so much, and not a terrible start here. Dales give up three runs, but did give the team seven innings. Daniel Ponce Leon gives up a run in an inning, and Ryan Easley, he winds up giving up nothing over the course of his inning, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, 2 of 8 with Ben in scoring position, just not able to get the job done as the Reds were able to piecemeal that one together. Speaking of being able to piecemeal things together, that's exactly what the Milwaukee Brewers did. They take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 7-4 to four for the D-backs. It winds up being a John Duplantier start, and he gives up 3 runs, 5 runs in total over the course of 4 innings for a Brewers team that they have not been able to get a lot of offense going. This was big for them. Christian Yelich, his second. Yes, that is not a typo. His second home run of the season. You wind up having the seventh home run of the season for Luis Urias. Jackie Bradley Jr. gets his fifth home run of the season. And then Avi Sale Garcia off of Seth Frankoff, who has gotten a couple starts this year. It's the length of the season for Frankoff. He gives up that solo home run in his inning. Alex Young is able to give you two scoreless innings. And Joe Manapoli gives you an inning. And he gives up 
nothing in the course of that one as well with regards to earned runs, one unearned run, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they wind up stranding 14 men on base. Carson Kelly was able to get his seventh home run of the season. That comes off of Brad Anderson, who's having a less than stellar year. Gives up three runs over the course of four and a third innings, but the Milwaukee Brewers from there, they're able to get some good bullpen pitching. Devin Williams winds up giving up a run in an inning, but Josh Hader, he's able to strike out the side, and both guys wind up getting three punch-outs in their inning. Brad Boxberger, a scoreless inning. He actually has not been terrible for the team, and Brent Suter, one and two-thirds innings, scoreless for him as well as the Brewers are now 30-26. and 26. They seem to be getting online, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe that they've lost 15 out of their last 17 games. A team has lost quite a few games. That'd be the Washington Nationals as they wind up falling to the Atlanta Braves by kind of 5-1. to one. If you're taking a look at things from a Braves perspective, a very good start here out of a little bit of an unexpected piece. Tucker Davidson, 5 and 2 thirds innings, scoreless from there. Josh Chalman is able to give you 4 outs. Sean Newcomb, a scoreless inning. Will Smith. Gets jiggy with it. He winds up giving up a run in the ninth inning, but the Braves by then were up by a count of 5-0 to zero, thanks to Dansby Swanson. Going deep off of one, Patrick Corbin for his 10th home run season. For Corbin, things were looking very good for him, and then he winds up giving up a four spot in the sixth inning, including that homer. Sam Clay comes out of the bullpen. He gives up a run in an inning. Paolo Espeno was able to give you a scoreless inning, though, and Kyle McGowan, he got you a pair of outs as well as for the Washington Nationals. They continue to do a good job of being able to get on base in road games. They're just not able to drive them in. One of nine with men in scoring position in this one. Very much par for the course for the Washington Nationals. Par for the course for the Houston Astros is... Not necessarily getting great starts out of Jake Odorizzi. 5-1. Boston Red Sox. New York Post play today. Winds up coming through. Christian Arroyo winds up going deep off of Mr. Odorizzi for his first home run of the season. As for Odorizzi, gives up that home run. Three runs in total over the course of three innings. Christian Avier winds up coming in in long relief. He wound up having his starting spot taken by Mr. Odorizzi. He gives up two runs over the course of three innings, punching out six. I have no idea why Christian Avier is not getting starts at this point. And then you have Inoli Paredes, Josh Smith. Along with Blake Taylor, I'll give you a score setting of the bullpen. And for the Boston Red Sox, Martin Perez was on point in this one. He does give up six hits, but that was over the course of seven and two-thirds innings. Scoreless, Adam Adovino is able to close out the eighth. And Brandon Workman, he gives up a run in the ninth. That would be a solo home run, the lone form of brightness. Here for the Astros as Yoli Gurriel able to collect his eighth of the season. But for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to do a solid job of being able to salvage not getting swept in that series. The Tampa Bay Rays, they make sure that they don't wind up losing their series with the Yankees. They wind up splitting a four-game set out there in the Bronx. 9-2, to the Rays take it to the Yankees. Biggest underdog to win in this one is Ryan Yarbrough. A complete game. He winds up giving up two solo home runs going deep for the New York Yankees in this one. Brett Gardner for his first home run of the season, and Miguel Andujar is third. So, bottom line up for the Yankees actually gave you a little bit of something here, but for Garrett Cole, he winds up getting lit up, and we've been noticing this a little bit with Garrett Cole. He gives up five runs over the course of five innings. You take a look at it, he has now given up at least five runs in two out of his last four starts. He winds up losing that start against the Detroit Tigers as well, though I will say, not necessarily his fault on that one. He winds up giving up one run, and the team couldn't generate any offense whatsoever, but for the Tampa Bay race, you had Austin Meadows being able to get his 14th home run of the season. That comes off of Cole. He now has five home runs in the team's last eight games, so he has certainly been able to do his part, and for the Tampa Bay race, Best road record out there in the big leagues. Thanks to that one, 21 and 9 on the road. Meanwhile, they're 15 and 13 at home. So that has been very fascinating to see. Also fascinating to see the home and road splits of the Colorado Rockies. We're going to be talking to Javon about this a little bit later. But the Rockies are now 19 and 12 at home and 4 and 22 on the road as they take down the Walker Texas Rangers by a count of 11 to 6. For the Rangers, pair of home runs in this one. 
Chris with a Gay Davis along with Jose Trevino both get their second home run this season. For Trevino, that comes off of Yancey Almonte, who has had a terrible year. And then Jordan Sheffield serves with his up to Davis for Yancey Almonte, by the way. 14.09 ERA. He gives up four runs in an inning. Not sure why he hasn't been sent down to coach pitch at this point. And for Austin Gomber, the starter for the Colorado Rockies, masterful. Six scoreless settings in this one. In Coors Field, that's more like a no-hitter. Meanwhile, Sheffield, he gives up two runs in an inning. Robert Severson was able to give you a scoreless setting. And for the Colorado Rockies, 7 of 18 with men in scoring position with Charlie Blackman being able to get his fourth home run of the season. That comes off of Mike Fultonavich. And for Fultonavich, gives up five runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings and has not been a good year for him. Now has given up 13 home runs so far this year. That's towards the top of the American League. From there, Brett Martin was able to give you an out, and the bullpen didn't necessarily do their job. Brett Geist, two innings out of the bullpen. He gives up two runs. Wes Benjamin now has an 8.76 ERA. He gives up four runs over the course of two innings. So, not necessarily looking too terrific there for the Rangers. Things not necessarily looking too terrific for the Tigers either. They wind up losing to the Chicago White Sox by a count of 4-1 to for Casey Mize. Not a terrible start with regards to the runs. He gives up three runs over the course of seven innings. Problem is, he gives up all solo home runs, and then Daniel Norris gives up a run in an inning. That was also a solo home run. So, for the White Sox, four solo home runs in this one. Yasmani Grandal is seventh of the season. Jake Lamb is fourth. Tim Anderson is sixth. Yohan Moncada is fifth, as that was in support of Lance Lynn, who was terrific. He gives up a solo home run of his own over the course of six innings. Going deep, Willie Castro is fourth of the season, but that's all he would give up in them from there. Aaron Bummer was not a bummer. He, Evan Marshall, Liam Hendricks, I'll give you a scoreless setting for the Chicago White Sox. Now 34-22, and 22, and I believe that they've got the best run differential out there in Major League Baseball at 82. I think that the next closest is probably the San Diego Padres. They're hovering right around a plus 75, and Dodgers as well are in that 80 range as well. For the Miami Marlins, things have been a little bit tough for this team recently as they wind up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 5-3. Things are always tough whenever you wind up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you're taking a look at the Miami Marlins right now, they are 0-3 in the month of June and dating back to the month of May. I believe that this is a team that has now lost six straight games and seven out of their last eight for the Marlins. They were able to get a little bit of something with regards to the Rats as Jesus Aguiar was able to collect his 40th RBI. Team goes 2-7 of seven with men in scoring position. And for Eliezer Hernandez, first star of the year, did not wind up going bad. He gives up one solo home run over the course of five innings going deep for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mr. Brian Reynolds is eighth of the season, but Tyler Anderson, despite the fact that he did not wind up giving the world's greatest start, giving up three runs in five and the third innings, was backed up by a solid bullpen. Clay Holmes, Kyle Crick, Richard Rodriguez, all scoreless innings for the team. Sam Howard chips in there, a pair of outs as well, and then for the Miami Marlins. But it's been a relatively solid bullpen, winds up faltering on them. Dylan Floro gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Ross Stettweiler in two-thirds of an inning gives up a run as well. Anthony Bender gives you an out. Anthony Bass gives you a scoreless setting. And Richard Blyer was able to get out of the eighth inning, but not necessarily the performance you were hoping for out of that group. If you're the Minnesota Twins, this has not been a good year for you at all. They wind up losing to the Kansas City Royals by a count of 65. J.A. Hapapuray was J.A. Hapapoo. He winds up giving up five runs over the course of five innings, including not one, not two, but three home runs. And so Robles winds up giving up an unearned run as he was hurt by a couple fielding airs. Ty Duffy, Luke Farrell were both able to give you a scoreless setting as it was not a good day to be Gilberto Celestino. He winds up committing two errors. Young center fielder that the team has promised for. Well, he wound up costing the team the game as Chris with the K. Bubich did not necessarily have it here for the Kansas City Royals. Winds up entering into this game with about a buck 50-ish ERA. Gives up three earned runs, four runs in total over the course of four and a third innings, including home run Kyle Zimmer is able to give you 
five outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Scott Barlow, a two-inning save. And Jacob Junis, he gives up one run in an inning, giving up a home run himself. Going deep for the Minnesota Twins in this one. Josh Johnson, not once but twice. His sixth and seventh of the season. And then you wind up having a gentleman on the Royals go deep twice. Salvador Perez. 13th of 14th home runs of the season. He has been absolutely terrific for this team, and the Royals, I believe, are now leading the league in stolen bases. Gerard Dyson, Andrew Benatendi, both were able to give you one, and for the Royals, this is a team that all of a sudden is getting pretty lukewarm at the right time. This is a bunch that they have now been able to win four straight games and five out of their last six, and they've won three out of their last four against the Minnesota Twins. A team that is on a little bit of a winning streak of their own, that would be the New York Mets, and that wound up getting halted on... Thursday as they wind up losing to the San Diego Padres as for the Mets. This is a team that they're a little bit banged up in for Taiwan Walker. We're going to be talking about this a little bit later with Javon. He had been doing a great job not giving up home runs. He wound up giving up a bomb in this one. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of five innings. Jacob Barnes, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. And for the Mets, they were able to get James McCann going for his fifth home run of the season. And hey, Francisco Lindor is hitting above the Mendoza line of 200. But for the Padres, you Darvish. He winds up giving up that home run to McCann's, but he winds up giving up just two runs over the course of five and a third innings. The Padres bullpen has been used for the most innings of any bullpen out there in the National League, but they've got the best ERA. Craig Salmon is able to give you a scoreless inning. Tim Hill, Emilio Pagan, they were able to do their job. And for the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. ties the league lead with 17 home runs so far this year. So he certainly has had it all season long. And if you've been looking all season long, it has been very interesting to take a look at some of the trends out there in Major League Baseball. If you're looking at the season to date, favorites are starting to do a little bit better. Now 463 and 361 hitting at a 56.2% clip. Overs and unders are relatively dead even. As I'm doing this, 401 overs and 402 unders. So you take a look at the last seven days in Major League Baseball. Favorites have not necessarily had the best run of things. 46 and 40 in that time span. And overs, 44 and 42. So we've seen a couple more overs and unders. And in the last 30 days, we have been seeing a very equal amount of overs and unders. I believe now 191 and 191 with regards to the overs and the unders and favorites the last 30 days. 233 and 158 for a 59.6% clip. So that's what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Thursday. Now let's turn the page forward to Friday. Let's get a little bit of a DFS perspective with Javon Alford. We're going to be talking to him about what he's all noticed from a DFS perspective, some of the games that are going to be going down this weekend that catch his eye, and so much more. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Winning Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. We're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Well, it's great to get a little bit of a DFS perspective on this podcast. And Javon Alford does an absolutely terrific job of that as he works over there with DraftKings being able to take a look at that. He also does some look at the betting perspective of baseball as well. I know that he's very much locked in with the NBA playoffs as well. So he does a little bit of everything and he balances it very well. And you're able to follow Javon on Twitter at Javon10. J-O-V-A-N, and then the number 10, and Javon, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, no problem, Greg. I'm glad to be back on. The first time we was on, it was early in the baseball season, but since then, there's just been a lot of, you know, great action happening all across the majors, so I'm glad to be back on. Yeah, the last time we talked was about four weeks ago, a month ago-ish, and what have you really noticed with this baseball season? Because unlike when we talked a little bit more a tad earlier, I feel like now we're able to get down a little bit more of these splits. We're able to figure out a little bit more about these teams, and I think that 
We're able to do a better job of being able to sift through. All right, this team actually has some staying power. And these guys, they had a couple good weeks, but it turns out they were frauds. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think we're starting to kind of figure out who the pretenders and the contenders are, who the teams that you really want to bet on, like now everybody. And I think you're even noticing now we're seeing teams like the Chicago White Sox. They're usually like minus 200 a lot of nights, <laughs> depending on their massive. So we're seeing a lot of good things there. And I think, and also I think we're seeing a lot of breakout players and guys that weren't on anybody's radar, you know, from last season, really starting to shine like Trevor Rogers, you know, him emerging, Yerman Mercedes, Adolis Garcia, like players like that. It's really, you know, just popping onto the scene and just making the, and just making the games more fun to watch. Yeah. Adolis Garcia has been absolutely amazing for the Texas Rangers. I don't think many people thought he would have 16 home runs going into Thursday. He has been just on absolute fire as we do have Javon Alford joining me on the podcast and or a couple other guys that really stand out to you because I take a look at Vlagaro Jr. having an absolutely amazing year out there for the Toronto Blue Jays and they in general have been able to give you a lot of value when it comes to whether it be daily fantasy, when it comes to betting on their lineup or just betting overs in general. And I do think that the ballpark that they're playing in Buffalo, that is going to lend to a bunch of runs as well, because we remember watching their games in 2020, and that place is a bandbox. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I know a lot of people were down on him last year, and you see the work that he put in in the offseason starting to really come into fruition, and the way he's just been hitting at the plate, he's not just hitting for power. Like he said, he has 16 home runs, but you look at his on-base percentage, you look at his slugging, you look just his overall batting average. He's just getting on base, and that's what you like to see, and, and you have to think that's helping that lineup, because Bo Bichette's been playing well. Marcus Simeon, a guy who they signed to like a one-year deal, he's really turned back the clock a little bit with the numbers he's putting up. Then you look at a guy like Randall Grishik, he's putting up solid numbers. So Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s emergence in that offense, I think is just helping that overall team. I completely agree with you. And what else I think is very interesting as well is just taking a look at the home and road splits. We were just talking about mm-hmm. Adolius Garcia. What he's doing with the Texas Rangers, they just wanted to play a road series against the Colorado Rockies. And they are one of the most intriguing teams I've ever seen in baseball. Now, <laughs> when it comes to Coors Field, you always know that there's going to be home and road splits. But this team is 19-12 at home, which is actually one of the better records out there at home in all of college baseball. To put that into perspective, the Dodgers, they are 19-10 at at home. So the Rockies are actually pretty much on par with the Dodgers with regards to their home record. 4-22 on the road. That is absolutely ridiculous. I don't think any other team in baseball has fewer than nine road wins right now. How do you wind up gauging a team that is just so vastly different home to road? Because I know that there's going to be home and road splits, but this is just mm-hmm. this is just ridiculous. I think we can kind of lay it down to the power of course, Phil, and just <laughs> how good this team just is at home. They know that park. They know the angles. They know the launch angles, things like that. Like just know when they play well. But again, to be a consistent team, to be a team that's competing, even if you're not going to make the playoffs, you got to do something. You got to do something that on the road. And I think it's so funny. You mentioned that how they're so bad on the road. They played a team in the Rangers who have been just horrific on the road as well. Like you said, that they only have like nine road wins, but they just been bad on the road, which is crazy because they play in a similar type park in globe life field. Yep. The Texas Rangers nine and 23 on the road. I think other than the Rockies and also the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've also got nine road wins as well. These are the three teams that currently have a single digit amount of road wins right now. So certainly not going spectacularly for them. 
Meanwhile, you take a look at a team that's a complete opposite, and they wound up getting the job done once again on the road. The Tampa Bay Rays now 21-9, and when it comes to a daily fantasy perspective, I've got to think that if you've got a team that's going up against the Tampa Bay Rays, they wind up getting devalued a little bit because I think that the Rays have now given up three runs or fewer in something like eight out of their last 11 games. They have done an absolutely masterful job with their pitching. Ryan Yarborough winds up throwing a complete game for this team yesterday, and there are just certain matchups that, in my field, they go very well for the under. They bode very well for the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line, run line, what have you. And I've got to think in your field of expertise, you wind up seeing like an Aaron Judge for the New York Yankees going up against the Tampa Bay Rays, and his high price probably doesn't have as much value. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then you look at this race team, like you say, they've been really good this season and they don't have the most flashiest names. When it comes to pitching, we all know about glass now, but it's just a collection of guys and they just get it done. And there's a reason why they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. I think they've won 17 out of their last 20 or something astronomical like that. And they're just doing it, you know, as a team, team play. And like you said, when you see a guy like, you know, Aaron Judge or even, you know, John Carlos Stanton, you're like, oh, I want to put him in my DFS lineup. But there's guys like Randy Rosarena who, you know, he's starting to really rise up in price and value for what he's bringing to that team. And then you look at a guy like Austin Meadows, who's hit now four home runs in the last five games. That's a guy who I think is undervalued and I think will probably start to see his value go up a little bit more, a little bit more, depending on what type of slates that we're getting. The Rays are playing in the early or if they're playing in the main slate at night. And the Rays are so interesting, as we do have Javon Alford joining me on the podcast, because it really is a collective effort. You take a look at this team for the season. You don't necessarily have one guy that's standing out. It's like, oh, he's hitting like a 330 with 15 home runs or anything like that. Now, mm-hmm. Meadows now does have 14 home runs, because to your point, this guy is hotter than lava. He wound up having <laughs> that stretch of four home runs in five games. He has really been able to put it together. And I give him a ton of credit. The batting average prior to the streak was not necessarily great. He's been able to pick it up. But we've got a bunch of guys, like you mentioned, Randy Arozarena. We all remember him from the postseason last year. This year, he's been solid, ending at 255 with seven home runs, 27 RBI. But it's something where it's like, oh, my gosh, we've got a bank on this guy. Mike Zanino, he's got 12 home runs for the team, but he's hitting a 203. You wind up having Andy Diaz, who's able to get on base, but he's got as many home runs as the two of us combined. So you've got all (laughs) that going on. And I do think that that makes things so interesting with the Rays because once again, it's not necessarily the world's flashiest team. You're not going to have a guy really other than Glass, so that's going to give you seven strong innings aside from Yarbrough yesterday, who winds up pitching that complete game. But you just have a bunch of guys that know their role, and they just continue to do what they need to for the team to be able to pick up Ws. For sure, and I think that's the beautiful thing about this team. A lot of people thought, you know, that they were crazy to, you know, trade away Blake Snell and move on from him because it's like, who else do you have, you know, outside of Glass now? And anytime Glass now is on the mound, you kind of know – they could be in line for a win. But like you said, they're getting it from multiple ways on the pitching staff. Like you said, Yarborough yesterday with a great outing against the Yankees, you know, making sure that the Yankees didn't take three out of four in that series. You look at Josh Fleming, a rookie, him doing some good things. Shane McCollaghan, he's doing some good things. It's like they're almost just, they're just bringing guys up from the minors and just saying, just go out and play. And I think that's the fun thing about them. They're just playing baseball and they're doing it their way. Yeah, they have done an absolutely masterful job, as we do have Javon Alford joining me on the podcast. And 
when you just take a look at guys in general that might be a little bit undervalued or a couple that are coming to mind for you? Because I can tell you, being someone from the state of Wisconsin, I've got one guy that I really think is the second best pitcher in baseball right now. That'd be Brandon Woodruff. The 4-2 and two record is a little bit underwhelming considering the fact that he's had 11 starts, but a buck 27 ERA, he's given up two runs or fewer, and I believe each out of his last 10. He has been absolutely magnificent. You take a look at a guy like a John Gant as well. He is going to have a whole bunch of regression coming his way because he's giving up like six walks per nine innings. But once again, a few days ago, he gets this start, gives up no runs over the course of five innings. Cardinals get the win over the L.A. Dodgers. And I just think that there are so many of these pitchers that they don't wind up getting as many strikeouts. They don't wind up being as flashy, but just night in and night out. You know what you're going to get out of them. They're not going to have a complete blow-up start, and they offer you value. I completely agree. I'm glad you mentioned those two because I think for a lot of people, they've kind of been like the anomalies. You're like, huh? Like outside of Corbin Burns and his start, you know, to the season, it's like you said, Woodruff and Gamp, they're not like strikeout guys, but they don't get themselves in trouble. And I think another guy that I think about when I hear that is Taiwan Walker, another guy. He doesn't get like a massive number of strikeouts, but he doesn't put himself in trouble um, at the same time. When you look at, you know, sticking with the Mets, Marcus Stroman, he's turned out to be a quality number two guy that they honestly needed behind Jacob DeGrom. I think you got to include those guys as well into the conversation. And I'm glad you brought up Taiwan Walker. He winds up getting the start yesterday against the Padres, entered into yesterday's contest, giving up one home run in 49 innings. That is absolutely magnificent. And Javon, taking a look forward to Friday, we've got some really good series out there. You know it's going to be a good weekend of baseball whenever you get Red Sox versus Yankees. You've also got quite a few divisional matchups. The Phillies and the Nationals should be fascinating as the NL East, much like the NFC East out there in the NFL, it has become the NL least at this point because yes. you've got the New York Mets right now leading the way. They're actually going to be playing against the San Diego Padres. You've got the surprising San Francisco Giants hosting a Cubs team that all of a sudden is hotter than lava. So mm-hmm. list goes on and on. Is there a game or two that really catches your eye, whether it be from a DFS perspective, whether it be from a betting perspective, or just sit down and have a beverage of choice perspective? I mean, man, there's a lot of great pitching matchups looking at the slate. I mean, you look at, you know, you got Astros, Blue Jays, like you said, in Buffalo, Zach Greinke versus versus Hinjin Ryu. That's going to be a fun one. We got Otani back on the mound against the Mariners. Justin Dunn. Justin Dunn's another guy whose numbers may be deceiving. He has an ERA, I think, around like 318, but he just gives up a ton of walks, and you just wish that he gets that walk rate down. Because you could see there might be some potential. So I, I think that another game, another game, Rodgers Braves, Julio Urias going up against Ian Anderson. So I think that's another great matchup. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of good games with this Friday, with this Friday night sleep. I can't wait to check them out. Yeah, we're going to have some great weekend series. And Javon, I know that you're covering all this. You've also done a great job of being able to cover the postseasons as well. Because as we know, this is the time of year in which you've got playoff hockey, you've got playoff Mm -hmm. basketball, which I really do feel like the NBA when it comes to regular season, it's just not for me. But when you get into the postseason, this is where the going really gets good. You're covering that. I know that when it comes to the NFL season, you're going to be all over that and so much more. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general. 
Hey, for sure. Thanks again for having me on. People can follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. Check out my work at dknation.draftkings.com. Got a lot of great stuff up there. You know, look, got pitching matchups, looking at some great pitching matchups for the Friday slate, which I just, which we just talked about, which are going to be amazing. I'm going to have up some uh, DFS stuff, you know, looking for team stacks, things along those lines, and obviously picks, you know, money line, prop plays, all that more on DK. And then, you know, dabbling into some other stuff, NBA, NFL, whatever's on the table. Javon does an absolutely terrific job. He takes a look at things from both a betting and a DFS perspective. So good to get a little bit of both on this podcast today. Javon really doing a great job of being able to hold it down over there with DraftKings. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you sign to on every game on the betting board for this Friday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to Javon Alford of DraftKings for joining me in the last segment. Now it's that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Friday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games are going to be at the bottom. We've got one of those, so there is that, and do note that we've got a lot of games that are currently off the board. We've got a lot of to be determined pitchers, especially out there on the West Coast. So we're going to get things started with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. You've got the Washington Nationals on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phillies. Meanwhile, Matt Max Scherzer are on the bump for the Nats. Nats are finding themselves slight underdogs here. You're going to be able to find them as good as a plus 102. You're going to be finding them as bad as more around a minus 105. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Phillies, and we're between minus 106 and minus 115. Your draw on this game is 6.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at a 7, you're going to be finding that anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125 on the under. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. I recognize that the Phillies are significantly better at home than they are on the road. And that Max Scherzer has been giving up some hard contact, but... Hard to have a lot of faith here in the Philadelphia Phillies. They are still currently without Bryce Harper. He's currently on the 10-day injured list, so that has certainly been hurting them a little bit. You take a look at this Phillies team in general. Reese Hoskins has actually done his best work on the road. He is the exact opposite of pretty much the rest of the Philadelphia Phillies. He's been able to give you 12 home runs so far this year. Odu Barrera has been able to pick things up a little bit. He's hitting at 275, so that's been relatively solid. Brad Miller has been able to come in. He's been able to give you some good at-bats. And Andrew McCutcheon, he's given you nine home runs. He's been able to get on base quite a bit. He does a good job of being able to draw walks, but he's not necessarily a guy that is making good contact. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Washington Nationals. When it comes to teams with regards to their batting average, they're in the top five with regards to batting average on the road. Problem is, they just haven't necessarily been able to get a lot of power once again yesterday. One of nine with men in scoring position that has just been 
the same song and dance for the Nationals ever since they wound up winning their World Series. We've got Ryan Zimmerman, Trey Turner down for what? Pair of guys hitting in between a 305 and a 315. Josh Harrison, he's hitting right around 270, but a 345 on base, so he's been pretty rock solid there. Victor Robles, only a 225, but he's another guy that gets on base along with Alex Avila. Jody Mercer, he hasn't necessarily been able to do a lot for this team, and you just expect a little bit more power out of Juan Soto. He's got an on-base percentage that's hovering right around a 400, to his credit. In that series against the Atlanta Braves, he was able to hit two home runs, but big reason why I'm trusting in the Nationals is for one, Max Scherzer continuing to be Max Scherzer. He still has a 234 ERA. The only reason why he's got a 4-4 record is because the team around him just flat-out stinks, and then you take a look at the bullpen of the Nationals, actually not too bad. Brad and Danny Hudson, these guys have been able to come through. Kyle Finnegan has had his ups and downs but he seems to be improving. You've been able to get even a little bit of something out of Wander. I swear, this guy sucks. So, there is that aspect of it. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. I know that Hector Neres actually has a respectable buck 96 ERA so far this year, but still have no faith in him. David Ale, Brandon Kitzler, Connor Brogdon. You just were expecting a little bit more out of these guys, which is why I did wind up saying the Washington Nationals as a little bit of a favorite in this spot. When it comes to the total, it is fascinating because you've got a guy in Zach Wheeler that, dating back to his time with the New York Mets, has a right around a 3-ish ERA whenever he pitches out there in the city of Philadelphia, so he's been able to do a solid job there. He's got more than 9 strikeouts per nine innings, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job. He'll be able to hold it down there, but I do think that you you are going to have a little bit of a tough situation here with the Phillies, which is why I wound up saying the Nationals were out of minus 122, and I do think that this is a total that has gotten down a little bit too low during the summertime. Philadelphia becomes a little bit of a launching pad as well, so we're going to be taking the over and the Washington Nationals. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates sit through a face-off against the Miami Marlins. You've got Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Pirates. Cody Potit is going to be on the bump for the Miami Marlins. Marlins are finding themselves as slight favorites in this spot. Anywhere between a minus 105 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates in this spot, you're going to be finding them anywhere between, I would say, a plus 101 and a minus 106. And your total on this game is 7.5 over and under. Anywhere between even a minus 120. So we're seeing a lot there. Is looking at first like the Pittsburgh Pirates were going to be going JT Brubaker. Brubaker is someone that I like, and I was going to be saying them more around a minus 113 favorite. I think that there's about a 30 cent difference between Brubaker along with Mitch Keller. So, this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the Miami Marlins with Cody Poteet. He wound up getting lit up in his last start, but by and large, he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team, and he's backed up by a good bullpen. Guys like Emi Garcia, Dylan Floro, the former Dodgers, have been able to come through him for Poteet. He's given up two home runs at 21 and a third innings, only four walks, 295 ERA. Meanwhile, for Mitch Keller, someone that's given out right around five walks per nine innings. It has not necessarily been too terrific, now I will say. Last couple starts, he's actually had a couple good ones. Two runs for fear were given up in three out of his last five. And the other two, he winds up giving up a combined 12 and 8 and a third inning. So you don't know what you're going to be able to get there. We recall Keller wound up having two no-hit outings in which he wound up giving up like a walk per inning. It was absolutely insane. And he himself is going to be backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. Richard Rodriguez has been able to do a very good job for the team. Jason Shreve able to give you some good innings. Sam Howard as well. Kyle Crick has been able to get the job done. But when you take a look at this Pittsburgh Pirates team, you're just not getting a lot out of the offense in general. Adam Frazier has been able to get on base for the team, hitting nearly a 333, and Cabrian Hayes is back for the team. So that certainly is going to be able to help with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You've also got Brian Reynolds right around a 390 on base, but this is a team that they're in the bottom five with pretty much every extra base slash 
home run number that you could think of. Gregory Polanco, Eric Gonzalez, Kevin Newman, Ben Gamble, Kaye Tom, all these guys hitting a 215 or lower. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Garrett Cooper has actually been able to do a solid job for this team. Hitting right around 260. He's only been able to give you five home runs, but wound up beginning the year on the injured list. He seems to be coming around. Hey, we got the Marte Parte back. Starling Marte. He is back in the fold for this team. He's hitting above a three iron. That always makes you happy. And I think that they've got another Marte as well that winds up coming in off the bench. So that makes you just... Always warm your heart. We always like the Marte Parte. You've got Jazz Chislam as well. He's hitting right around 270. Jorge Alfaro has come off the injury list at the catcher spot. He's been able to give you a bit of something. Adam Duvall, Izan Diaz, John Birdie hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Is honestly too terrific. And for the Marlins, because they wound up having to use up so many bullpen pieces yesterday, it does put them in a little bit of a horse apiece situation. But I do think that Poteet going to be able to get the job done. I'm going to be taking the Miami Marlins in this spot. And with this total, set it more around an 8-ish. I think that this is just a tad bit too low. So taking the over along with Miami. 955 and 956 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing on CLA Dodgers. One Julio Arias can be going for the Dodgers. Ian Anderson is going to be on the bump for Atlanta. Your total on this game is 9 and this is all over the place. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 125. That means that you're over. You're going to be finding that anywhere between minus 115 and you're going to be able to get a plus price here of plus 105. So it's just very, very herky-jerky at this point. I'm seeing a couple 8.5s pop up as well. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, anywhere between minus 122 and minus 126. And if you're taking a look at the Atlanta Braves, anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115, seeing a straight plus 105. If you like the Braves, you probably don't want to be taking that, but want to make the Dodgers a minus 138 favorite. Now, you want to note this with Julio Rios. I believe that none out of his last seven starts have wound up going under. He has very much been an over-pitcher, but I do think that he's going to be able to find it in this spot, especially against an Atlanta Braves team that they've been very hit or miss to say the least. You're currently dealing with Marcel Ozuna and well he's currently in jail right now so that is not necessarily too terrific for the Atlanta Braves but Ronald Cunha Jr. 290 batting average, 17 home runs, 35 RBI, Austin Riley north of a 400 on base. He certainly has been able to do his part for the Atlanta Braves and for the Braves the bullpen has just not necessarily been too terrific. Will Smith's getting jiggy with it a little bit too much. He wound up having to throw 19 pitches yesterday. Josh Shomlin, Sean Newcomb, two of their less than worthy bullpen pieces wound up pitching in their last game there series against the Washington Nationals, so that's actually a good thing, because now you're going to get guys like A.J. Minter and company coming out, and then you take a look at Freddie Freeman, only a 225, but his on-base is right around 356, double the amount of homers, Dansby Swanson has been able to come around, he got his 10th home run this season in the team's last game against the Washington Nationals, but you take a look at the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger is now back for the team, they wind up having that 14-run outburst in their last game at home against the St. Louis Cardinals, Mookie Betts, he's got right around a 380 on-base, despite the fact that the batting average isn't necessarily where you'd expect it to be. Max Muncy, double-digit amount of bombs, 430 on base. He has been terrific, and you just got a bunch of guys like a Justin Turner down for what? Like a Will Smith, that they've got an on-base percentage hovering between a 360 or even north of that. In the case of Chris Taylor, 280 batting average, 403 on base, and this is a Dodgers team that home and road, they're averaging more than five runs per game. Ian Anderson has been able to do a very solid job of being able to give you some very good innings. 4-2 record. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings. Walks can sometimes be an issue. He's given up right around four walks per nine innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fort for the Dodgers. Bullpen is a little bit banged up, but Blake trying it's still a guy that I wind up trusting, and Victor Gonzalez going to be well-rested as well. So I wound up saying this all at 8.2. We're going to be digging it under, and with the Dodgers, one we'll layup to a minus 138, so I'm going to be back in Urias and company. 957, 958 on the bang board. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to be playing us the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've got Mr. Peacock, Matt Peacock, who's going to be going for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, 
Freddy Peralta is going to be on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. You're finding this with the Brewers at minus 195, plus 176 on the Diamondbacks. Currently, this is a number that's only available at Circa because the Brewers had a little bit of a pitching change. And if you're taking a look at this total, 8. And the under on that is minus 115. The over is minus 105. For Peacock, he actually wound up dealing with a little bit of an illness last week. So he wound up having to pitch on Sunday. And coming off the illness, he did not wind up looking too bad. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. And you take a look at the three starts that he's wound up getting. He's given up right around two runs per game. And he's going about five, five and a half-ish innings. So he's actually not been able to do a terrible job. He does give up a little bit of hard contact. But as we know, with the Milwaukee Brewers, not necessarily the world's greatest lineup. Now, both teams were able to get things going yesterday. But you take a look at this bunch. You've got William Thomas, Travis Shaw, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kesson Hippip Eros, more like Kesson Hippip Boo, Daniel Robertson. All these guys are in a 220 or lower. Christian Yelich is hitting a 253 for the team, and he finally got his second home run of the season yesterday. So that's good to see. Obviously, Garcia north of a 300 on base, and then you've got Colton Wong along with Omir Nervais. Two guys are doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base with Nervais right around 382 on base. Colton Wong, good table setter, 280 batting average, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've got a Marte Parte of their own as Quetel Marte, 375 batting average. He has looked tremendous ever since coming off the injured list. You wind up getting back Carson Kelly as well. 418 on base. That has been terrific. You've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with their batting average. Christian Walker has been banged up all year. Eliarmo Vargas, he has not been able to give you something along Tim Castro, but David Peralta in a pinch inning role has been relatively solid. Paven Smith is hitting at 290 for the team. Josh Reddick, they kick the tires on him so far, so good. Even a guy like a Josh Rojas has been able to do a good job of table setting. Here's the problem with the Arizona Diamondbacks, though. So worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues over the last three days. And for the Brewers, you did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces yesterday, but you still have a lineup in which Josh Shader and Devin Williams have not necessarily been used up too much so far this year. Eric Yardley is someone that is relatively solid out of the bullpen. And for Freddie Peralta, this guy is just a walking strikeout. Right around 12 and a half punch outs per nine innings. South of a three ERA has been tremendous at home, but I take a look at this spot. I think that maybe they went a little bit too far here. I do think that the Brewers should be a sizable favorite. I wound up setting this more around a plus 177. I've got to think that there's going to be a plus 180 that winds up populating on the Arizona Diamondbacks. But if you're taking a look at the run line in this spot, you're finding this right around even money with the Milwaukee Brewers. I'd be willing to take it if I'm able to get a little bit of a plus price. So right now, as I'm seeing it, probably going to wind up taking the plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I do have a little bit of faith in Mr. Peacock. I did wind up setting this total 8.4. So we're going to be taking the over along with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm 59.960 on the bank board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing on the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati and they're on to Luis Castillo to try to Turn around what's been a really bad year for them. Meanwhile, Quan Young Kim is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals are finding themselves anywhere between minus 124 and minus 136 favorites. If you're looking at the red legs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 110 and plus 116. Totals anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the 8. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 110 on the 8.5. Ditto. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere between even a minus 110. And for Luis Casio, it's been the no good. Very bad. Terrible year for him as you take a look at it. He's been poopy at home. He's been poopy on the road. On planet Pluto, he'd be poopy. 722 ERA, a 1-8 record. Just absolutely terrible. He's given up more than four walks per nine innings. And with the splits, he's got a home ERA of a 607 and 874 road ERA. It's just... It's not been good wherever he's been. 
Opponents are hitting 321 off of them. And then you take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals. You've got yourself a pretty solid lineup with this team. You do like what you're getting at the top with Tommy, Edmund, Dylan, Carlson. Both of these guys hitting in the neighbor of a 275 along with Nolan Arenado. And for Arenado, a double-digit amount of home runs. How about we should have been able to get out of Tyler O'Neill? Hitting just above a 280. He's got 12 home runs for this team. Now, Matt Carpenter has been just a complete and utter disaster. Jonathan William, Jose Rodon. These guys have not necessarily been able to do a lot. But I do like what you're able to get out of Umando Sosa. He has been able to hit right around a 280 north of a 400 on base. Yadier Molina, he's hitting a 290 for the team. And you've got to have a lot more faith in the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen rather than the Reds. The Reds have a guy in Amir Garrett who has a north of 9 ERA so far this year. That has not been good. Sionado Perez has been trying to give the team solid innings. Not able to do so. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cardinals. They did wind up having to use up quite a few of their bullpen pieces in that final game of the Dodgers series. But now you've got Genesis Cabrera along Giovanni Gallegos. You've got Alex Reyes, who I don't think has blown a save opportunity, and he's got 16 of them so far this year. They have been absolutely tremendous for this team. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Kwon Young Kim. He wound up coming over from the KBO last year, and he's been very solid for the St. Louis Cardinals. Not a hard tosser. He's getting right around 7.5, 8-ish strikeouts per 9 innings, but he does a good job of being able to rein it in. He gives out right around 2.5 walks per 9 innings. He has given up 3 home runs in 37 innings. You sort of know what you're going to get there, and I do like sort of knowing what you're going to be able to get, especially with Luis Casio just being a hot mess. I, it's gotten so bad that I want to make Luis Casio about a plus 145 underdog in this spot. So we're going to be back in the St. Louis Cardinals. Wound up sending this total 8.3. So seeing the 8s out there, we're going to be taking that 8 over, and I'm going to be taking the St. Louis Cardinals. 961-962 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs at the road faceoff against the San Francisco Giants. Good old Doobie Determined is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants. I hear he's a little bit of a mystery, but has good heat. Meanwhile, Jake Arrieta is going to be on the bump for the Cubs with not knowing who the Giants are going to be throwing out there as of now. This is a game that's presently off the board. Gotta hope that it's not going to be Scott Casimir who winds up going in there for the San Francisco Giants. I don't think that he's currently listed on the board, so that is good. You might wind up getting a Connor Menace. I know that he has made some very good long relief appearances. He's made three starts in his career, so he might be a candidate to take this. You gotta think that's gonna be a little bit of a wholesale approach for the Giants. Gotta think that someone like Dominique Leon gonna be eating a couple innings. And Nick Tropiano, also someone that's a candidate. He's started 39 games throughout his career. Hasn't been great, hasn't been terrible. Meanwhile, Jake Arrieta, you just don't know if you're gonna get good Jake Arrieta or if you're gonna get really bad Jake Arrieta. You take a look at his last four starts. He's been all over the place, giving up two, four, three, and five runs. Now, he's been the victim of giving up a lot of unearned runs, but you take a look at him for the season. He's given up right in the neighborhood of about 1.6 home runs per nine innings of walks per nine. That is just under four, but the Cubs, they've been able to do a good job of being able to match both at home and on the road. Jack Peterson hitting right around a 240 for the team, but his on-base percentage, a little bit north of a 320. Anthony Rizzo, a 375 on-base. Chris Bryant has actually done his best work on the road. 400 on-base, 300 20 batting average. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs. You've got a new infielder in Sergio Alcantara who winds up coming over from the Tigers. So far, so good for him. Eric Sogard's been able to give you a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. This is a team that they're really just carried by Buster Posey. 400 on base. 300 batting average, getting a home run every about 11 to 12 at-bats. He has been amazing. And then you had Lamonte Wade Jr. being able to get on base. Limited sample size, but hitting right around 300 for the team. Wilmer Flores, Brandon Crawford, both of these guys hitting between a 250 and a 260. When you take a look at Crawford, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs. Donovan Solano's been able to give you a little bit of something. Steven Duggar hitting above a 300. And then for the Cubs, what you got to give them is that their bullpen has been magnificent. Over the last 30 days, best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues, Ryan Tapera. 
Tommy Nance, Dylan Maples, Craig Kimbrell, all these guys getting the job done. Even a guy like Dan Winkler has been very solid. So if it winds up being Tropiano slash Scott Casimir, which I don't know what the status of Scott Casimir is, but if it's Scott Casimir, he's going to be an underdog. If it's Tropiano, probably a little bit of a favorite. Probably going to be setting this total somewhere in that neighborhood of 8-ish. That's where I had it when it was supposed to be Logan Webb, and I want to make him Logan Webb, about a minus 130 favorite. So that's where I was at there. Logan Webb now on the 10 to Andrew list. So obviously, it's not going to be him. So check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at Jaren's41 once we know a little bit more here. 963-964 on the betting board. The New York Metropolitan sit the red face off against the San Diego Padres. Blake Snell is going to be going for the pods. Joey Lucchese is on the bump for the Mets. Lucchese was not decided until pretty much a night of, so this is going to be a spot in which this game is presently off the board, but I can tell you right now, I'm going to be going with the Mets as a pretty sizable underdog here. I'm making them plus 166, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres wind up being more like a $2 favorite because Blake Snell, in my opinion, is just badly overpriced. When you take a look at Blake Snell, it certainly has been a little bit of a tough situation for him as he has given up a little bit over 5.5 walks per 9 innings. Now, the strikeouts per 9, he has been able to do a great job with that. He has been able to get right around 12 punch-outs per 9 innings, but 5.55 ERA. He just doesn't seem like he's himself right now. He has given up a combined 12 runs in his last six and two-thirds innings. Those were starts against the Milwaukee Brewers and the Houston Astros. Now, I will also say this for Blake Snell. He has been so much better at home than he has been on the road. On the road, 9.70 ERA. He has just not been able to get anything going whatsoever at home. A 2.10 ERA in five starts. He has given up three home runs in 25 and two-thirds innings, so he's been able to rein it in there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Joey Lucchese. He actually, for one, used to be a former San Diego Padres, so that is going to help him out a little bit, but he's got right around a 6.56 ERA, but has been much more solid recently for this team. He has went three and a third innings three times ever since the beginning of May, and in all three of those, he has given up one run or fewer, so he's actually been able to do a little bit of a better job there. You take a look at him at home, a buck 29 ERA on the road, an 8.82 ERA, so if you're looking at splits, you certainly have those, but we know this with the Mets are going to wind up pulling Lucchese very early if he winds up struggling, and now you've got Seth Lucas go back. He's able to give you some good innings out of the bullpen. He wound up just coming back for the team in that series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Miguel Castro has been solid. Edwin Diaz has been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort. And then when you take a look at the Padres, they've used up their bullpen for the most innings out there in the National League. But these guys like Tim Hill, Emilio Pagan, Mark Melanson, they've all been able to come through for this team. You take a look at the lineup. Fernando Tatis Jr., double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting a 291 for this team. You've got quite a few guys hitting in that pocket between about a 238 and about a 250, and they've all been able to get on base with north of 320 on bases. Manny Machado, Jerickson, Profar throwing their Will Myers as well. Now you've got guys like Awesome Kim and company that they do need to pick it up a little bit, but then you take a look at the New York Mets. Thankfully, they've had a couple pieces come back for this team. Pete Alonso wound up getting the day off yesterday, but he wound up having a big series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've had a couple guys in Kevin Pillar along Tom Smith hit right around a 260 for this team. Someone call the papers because you've got Francisco Lindor hitting above the Mendoza line of 200 now. Brandon Drury's been able to give you a little bit of something, so you've got some good things that are going on there. And then when you take a look at this Mets team in general, I do think that they are going to be able to get a little bit of something out of Joey Lucchese. Like I said, I'm setting them as a plus 166 underdog. I do realize that it is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in San Diego, but I do think that Snell is going to continue to be a little bit erratic, so I wound up saying this all 8.4, so that means 
and eight or lower, going to be taking a look at the over. Eight and a half or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 965, 966 on the bang board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road to face off against the New York Yankees. Michael King is going to be going for the Yankees. Meanwhile, you've got Nathan Eovaldi who's going to be on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. Right now, this is a number that's only listed at Circa, and the total is 10 over and under, both at minus 110, and you know what? It's a pick em. Both teams listed at minus 105, and I do think that the Boston Red Sox should have a little bit of an advantage in this spot. I want to make them the favorite, and I do think that this total of 10 is set a little bit too high, because with the New York Yankees, they've got one of just four bullpens with a sub-3 ERA so far this year. Guys like Luis Sessa, even someone like a Jonathan Luizga have been able to be solid. You had a role as Chapman coming in for good innings, and then for Nathan Eovaldi. He's just done a great job of being able to limit the hard contact in general with the Boston Red Sox. The lineup has been struggling a little bit. Three runs or fewer, and now five out of their last seven games, but they were able to find it yesterday against the Houston Astros. And for Eovaldi, one home run given up in 62 thirds innings. He's given up 14 walks, so a little bit over two walks per nine innings. And then you take a look at this Red Sox lineup. You have been able to get the good bombers for this team going. You've got Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. Both of these guys hitting above a 310 for this team. Alex Verdugo along with Rafael Devers are both hitting between a 279 and a 289 for Devers. He has been able to give the team 14 home runs. Christian Arroyo has been able to pick it up with the batting average as well. And he wound up going deep yesterday as well. Now with the Boston Red Sox, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression coming in for the bullpen. But Adam Adovino, even though he wound up pitching yesterday, only for five pitches. So he should be able to give this team a little bit of something. You then wind up having out of Kazu Sawamura, who's been able to do a solid job. Phillips Valdez has been solid. Garrett Whitlock, I do like what you're getting out of him. And for the New York Yankees, it's a very hit or miss lineup because the guys at the top, like Aaron Judge, have been able to do a good job. Aaron Judge, double digit amount of home runs, 390 on base. DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, Gio Rochelle, owing between a 255 and a 262. And then you wind up taking a look at the bottom part of this team. Clint Frazier, Rune Editor, Kyle Gashioka, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, Mike Ford, all guys hitting a 215 or lower. So that's been an issue for this team. I do think that scoring is going to be at a little bit more of a premium than the send number. So I'm certainly going to be taking that under. And with setting the Red Sox as a favorite, we're going to be taking them along with that under. 967, 968 on the bang board. The Cleveland Indians hit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Keegan Aiken is going to be going for the Orioles. John Carlos Mejia is going to be on the bump for the Indians. Indians are finding themselves anywhere between minus one. 13 and seeing as bad as a minus 120 favorite on them. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Baltimore Orioles, you're going to be finding them anywhere between a plus 102 and a plus 108. Your total on this game, anywhere between 9 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 9, under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. I just don't know how you wind up making the Orioles that short of an underdog, especially with Keegan Aiken, who has not been good for this team, to say the least. You take a look at Mr. Aiken. He's currently rocking a 480 ERA, 15 innings so far. He has only given up three home runs and two walks, so he's actually not necessarily given up as much hard contact. He wound up rating it in recently. He winds up giving up one run over the course of four and two-thirds innings against the Chicago White Sox, but I feel like that was a little bit of an outlier. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mejia. He actually wound up making some starts at the minor league level. He's someone that has been and getting a little bit of big league experience. Use a little bit more in the long relief role. Five innings so far this year has yet to give up a run. Very good at being able to get punch outs. Sometimes is a little bit careless with regards to the walk, but always does a good job of being able to limit our contact. So I do think that that's going to be very good. And then when you take a look at the Cleveland Indians, this is a bunch of which they have been able to do a good job of being able to get a little bit more batting average at the middle of the lineup. You've got Josh Naylor, Harold Ramirez, Jose Ramirez, along 
loss of Mid Rosario. All guys in between a 252 and a 260. You're currently dealing with an injury to Fran Mail Reyes, but out there in center field, Bradley Zimmer has come back. He's been solid for the team now. Jake Bowers, Austin Edges, Yu Chang, guys like this, they are hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch, but you've been able to get a little bit of power out of Mr. Jose Ramirez as well as he's been able to give the team 13 home runs. And with the Cleveland Indians, top three bullpen out there in the big leagues. James Karinczak has been solid. Brian Shaw is able to give you some good innings as well. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. Bullpen hasn't necessarily been too terrible. You've been able to have a couple guys come to the forefront for the team. Cole Solzer, Tanner Scott really come to mind. Cesar Valdez has been a little bit lucky. And Dylan Tate has actually been a little bit unlucky. But then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles as well. Lineup seems to be starting to come around a little bit more for the team. Cedric Mullins, good table setter for the team. Hitting in the neighborhood of a 300. Trey Boom Boom Mancini, 285 batting average, 360 on base. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of home runs. You've got Anthony Santander doing a solid job. But then you've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up. You've got Stevie Wilkerson, along chance Cisco, Austin Wins, Mikel Franco, DJ Stewart, Ryan McKenna. Bunch of guys hitting at 215 or lower, so that's not necessarily appealing. I do think that the Indians should be a relatively sizable favorite in this fight. I do recognize that the lineup has a couple deficiencies of their own, but I think that Keegan Aiken going to get rocked in this spot. So I'm going to be taking the Cleveland Indians in this spot. Set the sold 9.3, so we're going to be going over as well. 969-970 on the bang board. The Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays, going to be playing also the Houston Astros. Zach Cranky is going to be going for the Strohs. Hunjin Ryu is going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays, anywhere between minus 117 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Houston Astros, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 104 and plus 111. Your total on this game is 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And when I take a look at this spot, I'm going to be taking a look at the Blue Jays. I wound up setting them as a minus 130 favorite. I do like what I'm seeing out of Mr. Ryu. It also helps that he has a little bit of familiarity pitching in this ballpark as well as they are now transitioning back to Buffalo after they wound up playing at Dunedin for a little bit. And for Mr. Ryu, he's been able to do a solid job so far this year. Giving up six home runs in 58 and a third innings. He's been able to post up a 2.62 ERA, but here's the thing. You want to take a look at his 2020 home splits, and at home, he was pitching to right around a 3.15 ERA when he was out there in Buffalo. Did a good job of being able to limit the hour contact. Five home runs in 34 and a third innings with that ball in that ballpark. That's actually very good. Meanwhile, you take a look at Zach Greinke. 5-2 record, but he's allowing right around 1.2-ish home runs per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do on the road. It's actually been very masterful. Buck 64 ERA at home. It's more like a 531. So that is something that does jump out to me. And for the Houston Astros, they did wind up giving a couple guys a day off. But you've got a lot of guys are hitting at the very minimum a 290 for this team. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, Michael Brantley's a little bit banged up. But you've been able to get a lot out of them. Now you've got Chaz McCormick, Garrett Stubbs, a couple guys that aren't necessarily hitting well for the team. But Kyle Tucker, knowing about a 250 double-digit amount of home runs for this team, the big fear with the Houston Astros is the bullpen of this team. Christian Javier has been transitioned into a long reliever. I am not sure why. Jake Odorizzi has just been a hot mess. He wound up getting the series yesterday and went about as well as you would expect a Jake Odorizzi start to go. But you wind up having Blake Taylor along with Enoli Paredes wind up going out of the bullpen, which means you're probably going to get Ryan Presley along with Brooks Raley, who feels like pitch every single game for this team. You'd be able to get a little bit of something out of Brian Abreu, and then when you take a look at the Blue Jays. They've been a top 10 bullpen all season long. Julian Merriweather still on the injured list and Rafael Dolis has been a little bit up and down but now they've got Carl Edwards Jr. in the full. Joel Payampas along Tim Maza have been good for this team. You even take a look at someone like an Anthony Castro. Even though it feels like he gives up a lot of runs, he's actually been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort for this team. I do think that with 
this ballpark, you are going to be seeing some runs that wind up getting scored in this spot as well. I wound up setting the total at 8.8, so I'm going to be taking it over. I wound up making the Blue Jays more on a minus 130 favorite, so we're going to be backing them as well. 971-972 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the road face off against the Walker Texas Rangers. Kyle Gibson is going to be going for the Rangers. Josh Fleming is going to be on the bump for the Rays. Rays are a minus 131 favorite. This is currently only up at Circa. Meanwhile, the Rangers are at plus 120. Your total on games 8 over and under, both at minus 110. I wound up saying this total. We're on a 7.8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under with the Texas Rangers. They're a bottom 10 team with regards to run scored at home. They've actually been significantly better at being able to generate offense on the road. And you take a look at Kyle Gibson. Ever since he wound up having his first start of the year, he has actually been very good for this team. Ever since he winds up giving up, I believe it was five runs in a third of an inning against Kansas City Royals. He has been able to go at least six innings in every one of his starts ever since then, giving up two runs or fewer in all but one of them. So he has done a great job of being able to hold it down for this team. He's giving up about .45 home runs per nine innings. Meanwhile, you take a look at Josh Fleming and you do want to note this with the race. They have often used an opener for him. He has made nine total appearances. Only four of those have been starts. So you do want to be on the lookout for that he might wind up being a bulk guy, but he is someone that in start slash bulk appearances, three runs are free or given up in four out of his last five, so he's been relatively solid. They're giving up about a home run per nine innings, and then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. They are going to be traveling from Coors Field, and one of the toughest things that I've heard from players is going from Coors Field at elevation and going back down slash going from just normal sea level and going back up. So that is something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. You have got Adolius Garcia sitting at 283. He has been absolutely tremendous. Double digit amount of home runs. One of the league leaders with that regards. You're seeing quite a few guys with dipping batting averages for this team as well. Brock Holt along with Nick Solak hitting between a 235 and a 240. But the Brock Holt on base percentage has been relatively solid for this team. Charlie Culverson hitting in the neighborhood of about a 238 low as a 350-ish on base. So he's been able to give you a little bit of something. And then you take a look at the Rangers. Bullpen is right now a mess for this team. Taylor Hearn has actually been able to give you a couple solid innings along with Ian Kennedy and John King, but Jolie Rodriguez, someone that I'm not necessarily trusting into Marcus Evans. Small sample size with them, but I think that he's going to get lit up a little bit. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, this bullpen has been absolutely massive for this team. And they've given up four runs or fewer in now nine out of their last 11 games, so they've been able to do a great job there. Andrew Kittrich, south of a 1-5 ERA, Jeffrey Springs, Ryan Thompson, they've been able to come in. They've been solid. And then J.P. Fireisen, who they wind up picking up from the Milwaukee Brewers has become their closer. Pete Fairbanks, Diego Castillo, they do the job as well. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking the Tampa Bay Rays and this total under 973-974 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. Brad Keller is going to be going for the Royals. Matt Shoemaker is on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. Currently no numbers up on this game as the Royals were late to commit to Keller, but I can tell you right now, on my line, I wind up setting Keller and the Royals as a minus 118 favorite and this total at 8.8. So, 8.5 for lower going to be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under end with the Minnesota Twins. Matt Shoemaker just has been giving up a lot of hard contact. Right around 1.9 home runs per 9 innings. 590 ERA. He has been giving up the walks as well. Just under 3.8 walks per 9 innings. You take a look at Shoemaker recently, and he's been a little bit all over the place over his last five starts. Five scoreless against the Detroit Tigers. Gives up five runs in six innings to the Oakland A's. Gives up two runs to the Chicago White Sox. One run in six innings to the Baltimore Orioles. And then this very same Royals team lights him up. Five runs in four and a third innings. So, very intermiss there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Keller. Last season, he wound up having a 0-27 
home ERA at home so far this year in 810 ERA, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in. Has always been a guy that hasn't given up a lot of hard contact. Two home runs at 20 innings, given up at home so far this year. I think that he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard, especially when you take a look at this Minnesota Twins lineup. They are dealing with a bunch of injuries. Nelson Cruz, ever since coming off the injured list, has not necessarily looked like himself. Now, Josh Allenson hitting a pair of home runs for this team yesterday was nice as he's hitting right around at 250 with a 350 on base. Kyle Garlick has been able to give you a tad bit of something, but guys like Trevor Larnish, along with their young catcher in Ryan Jeffries. Guys like this, they're in the neighborhood of a 225. Ore Palunco is back. He's hitting a 240. Dralton Simmons has been a little bit banged up. He's in that same vein. Now, Miguel Sano has actually been able to give the team eight home runs in the last three weeks, but still hitting just a buck 56. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. What a Soler needs to pick it up for this team. He's hitting a buck 74 with four home runs. Two years ago, he wanted bidding for 48 home runs. So you got to figure at some point he's going to be able to give you a little bit of something. You've then got Nicky Lopez, Cam Gallagher hitting right around at 225 under Dozier. He's hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. But you've got a lot of guys hitting between a 250 and a 260 for this team. Answer Alberto, Michael Taylor, Whit Merrifield, Carlos Santana, Gerard Dyson. And for Santana, 390 on base. Salvador Perez, he goes deep twice yesterday. He's hitting about a 295. Andrew Benatendi, more like a 290. And then you take a look at the bullpen for the Royals. Josh Shamout is currently on the injured list, but Kyle Zimmer has been very good for this team. I do like the fact that you've got Scott Barlow giving you good innings along Jake Brands. Ronald Bolanos should be able to give you a little bit of length as well if needed, and for the Minnesota Twins, Cody Sashik has been a hot mess for this team. Alex Colme is absolutely terrible. Anso Robles has been solid, but they wind up using him up yesterday. Ty Duffy has actually been halfway decent. They wind up using him as well, so a little bit of a tough situation here. I wind up setting the Royals as a minus-118 favorite, and like I said, 8.5 or lower going to be taking a look at the over 9 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. 975, 976 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox going to be playing host to the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Turnbull is going to be going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, you've got Dallas Keuchel who's going to be on the bump for the Chicago White Sox. White Sox are finding themselves as sizable favorites here. Anywhere between minus 156 and minus 180. Yeah, that's quite a range. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 144 and plus 151 with your total anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 105. For Turnbull, he winds up having that no-hitter a few weeks ago that really was able to ignite him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Dallas Keuchel. He's been very much a soft tosser, but he still has been able to give the team some very solid endings so far this year, and he's going up against the Detroit Tigers team that, let's face it, they just have not necessarily been able to generate a lot of offense for Keuchel for one record. Despite a 4.53 ERA, he has given up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings, but has been able to keep the walks under control. And for Turnbull, he's always had an issue with walks, right around four per nine innings throughout his career, but he has always been good at being able to keep the ball in the yard. One home run given up in 46 innings, and the walks much more under control this year with less than two and a half per nine. So I do give him a lot of credit for Turnbull. He has given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. And you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. Got a couple guys that are starting to come around a little bit more with the bat. You've got Robbie Grossman with a 360 on base. Jimmy or Candelario more around a 350. And Akil Badu right around a 345 on base. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Jonathan Scope as well. He leads the team with seven home runs, which... Eh, it's not necessarily good if you've got seven home runs as your team leader, 
right now, but with that said, you have been able to get a little bit of something out of the bullpen recently as well. I do like what I'm seeing out of Gregory Soto. Derek Collin has gotten his ERA below 10, so yip de doo there. You've been able to get some solid innings out of Ronnie Garcia. They still are a bad bullpen, but they're not as bad for the Chicago White Sox. Bullpen wound up getting off to a little bit of a rough start to begin the year, but they have been able to do a much better job recently. Liam Hendricks, Aaron Bummer, they wind up getting used up a few days ago, so they might not necessarily be on call in this one, but you still have a lot of other pieces that you're able to look to, like Jose Ruiz. He has been doing a solid job for the team. Cody Hewer, I like him as well. And for the White Sox, Jose Abreu has been able to do a very good job for this team, leading the league in RBI, right around a 345 on base. Yerdeman Mercedes is hitting a 300 along Tim Anderson with Mercedes right around a 353 on base. Yasmani Grandal is still hitting a buck 37 with a 384 on base. One of the strangest things I've ever seen in my life, but hey, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Jake Lamb, who's got a 400 on base. He's really been able to emerge for this team. Billy Hamilton starting to do a little bit of something with the bat as well, so I do think that the White Sox should be a relatively sizable favorite in this spot. I want to say them more around a minus 168-ish favorite, so I'd be taking a look at them on the money line, but where I think the intrigue is, is the run line, because the White Sox, they do a very good job of being able to put runs upon the board, especially against lefties, obviously. You've got Turnbull, who is a right-handed pitcher, but I needed anything above a plus 108 to be able to take a shot on the run line, seeing this right around a plus 120 to a plus 125, so I'm going to be taking that, and I wound up saying this all 8.8, so we are going to be taking the White Sox run line along this little over. 977, 978 on the bang board. You've got my New York Post play today, as the Seattle Mariners are going to be in the road face-off against the LA Angels. Shohei Otani is going to be going for the Angels. For the Mariners, it was going to be Justin Dunn, which is what I wanted writing up. Of course, the deadline winds up coming, and then Justin Dunn winds up getting placed on the injured list, so... Right now, it's good all to be determined. I do think that this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under, though, because you take a look at the Angels. They have not been able to give Shoei Otani any run support whatsoever. In his four starts in the month of May, a combined five runs for him, and they're facing off against a Seattle Mariners team that is dead last in the league when it comes to batting average. So, they have not necessarily been too terrific with that regard. Now, you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. You have been able to get something out of Mitch Haniger. Double digit amount of home runs. He's hitting in the neighborhood of a 265 for the team. So, that has been solid. Jai France has been able pick it up a little bit right around 255 but Kyle Lewis is on the injured list JP Crawford he's hitting about a 250 but then you've got Taylor Tranimal along with Jake Fraley Donovan Walton Jorge Mamalois Jared Kelnick list goes on and on of guys hitting a 200 lower for the team and for the LA Angels they're quite banged up as well as we know that guy Mike Trout he's currently not in the fold now Justin Upton he's been able to give you 11 home runs he winds up hitting one yesterday but hitting below a 220 for the team Shoy Otani himself has been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs and then you've got Jared Walsh who's been able give you 13 home runs. He has been terrific for the team with right around a 300. You then wind up having Taylor Ward hitting right around 220 for this team. Jose Rojas has not necessarily been too terrific for this bunch either. You do have a guy, Max Assey, who's come back. He's been able to give you right around 245 batting average. David Fletcher has been able to give you a tad bit of something. I do recognize that the Angels bullpen so far this year has been terrible, but in recent weeks actually not too bad. Hunter Strickland he has been a little bit up and down for the team, but he's able to give you some punch outs. Tony Watson is a guy that I actually have a little bit of faith in Steve Ciszek. Not necessarily great, and I always say it, Rossi Glacius, very overrated reliever, but then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners. If there is a redeeming quality with this team, it is a bullpen. Will Vest is back off the injured list. Daniel Zamora ever since he wound up coming over. Hasn't necessarily been great, but I think that he'll be able to find a Keenan Middleton now off the injured list as well. That is going to be helping them out. Would not be surprised if you wind up seeing something like a Robert Duggar start in this spot. I certainly think that Hector Santiago might be able to give you a couple innings, and he's a reliable bullpen piece whenever he's able to get right. So far, he has not been right. Paul Sewell might be able to give you a couple innings as well. So, going to be taking 
taking a look at the under in this spot, more than likely of must we wind up seeing something very harebrained because I do like the form that the LA Angels bullpen is in, not necessarily the form that the offense is in, and the Seattle Mariners have been a good under team recently. So we're going to be taking a look at that. Check back in the running match. We're defeat at Jaren Squirty 1 once we know a pitcher for more of a set line there, but certainly going to be taking a look at the under in my New York post play, and we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Frankie Montas going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, John Gray is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. Your total on game is 10.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. If you're looking at the A's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 125 and minus 140. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Colorado is anywhere between plus 105 and plus 125. And this is a spot in which I want to make in the Colorado Rockies a little bit of a favor. We were talking about it with Jovan. The fact that you've got some very distinct home and road splits with these teams and with the Colorado Rockies. Four wins on the road, 19 wins at home. And for John Gray, he has actually been very good at Coors Field so far this year. You take a look at it, 236 ERA, 4-1 record across seven stars. He's given up four home runs in 42 innings. Opponents are eating a buck 52 off of him in Coors Field. That is like wizardry right there. Meanwhile, you take a look at Frankie Montas. Last season, he wound up having right around an 8-ish road ERA. So far this year, on the road, he's been significantly better than at home. At home, 531 ERA. On the road, 250 ERA. He has been giving up right around a home run every six innings that he's been on the road. But by and large, he's been able to get the job done. And for the Oakland A's, they themselves have a road ERA. Hovering right around a 360 at home. It's a little bit north of 4. Now with the Oakland A's, this is a team that they could be a little bit intermiss with their offense. They do have quite a few guys with a solid on-base percentage. Marcana, 250 batting average, 382 on base. He's been able to give you 10 home runs. Ramon Laureano is currently on the injured list, but Matt Olson, 14 home runs, 275 batting average. Ed Lowry, Matt Chapman, these guys have between a 315 and a 325 on base. And then you've got someone like your catcher in Sean Murphy. He's got in the neighbor of a 300 on base. And then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. Josh Fuentes hitting well below the Mendoza line of 200 on the road. At home, he's hitting well above a 300. And he's been able to give you a little bit of power. Charlie Blackman starting to pick it up for the same 362 on base. Yazan Daza, 370 on base. He's been solid Emil Tapia has been able to give you a tad bit of something. Trevor Story is currently on the 10-day injured list, but you do have someone that I do like in Garrett Hampson that is much better at home than he is on the road, and you've always been able to notice the fact that Ryan McMahon, a much better hitter whenever he's at home than he is on the road. Now, he's a little bit banged up as well, and for the Rockies, the bullpen has not necessarily been too terrific for the team. Yancy Almonte, north of a 10 ERA, but Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, these guys have been solid at home. Michael Gavis has been able to give you some solid innings as well, and then when you take a look at the Oakland A's, this is a team that they're dealing with a couple of injuries with regards to their bullpen as well. J.B. Wendelkin is still on the 10-day injured list. You've been able to get some solid innings out of guys like Ismero Petit, Lou Trevino, even a Dolius Guerrero. So these guys have been able to give you a tad bit of something, but I do think that John Gray is going to continue to be dominant at home. I think that Montas is going to be halfway decent, but with that said, we've got to keep in mind that this is a Coors Field game as well, and you've got to handicap these just completely differently. So I'm going to be taking the Colorado Rockies with a plus price at this all at 10.7, so I'm going to be taking that over as well. Now we're at things up for the baseball betting podcast on this Friday. A big thanks to Javon Alford of DraftKings for joining me in the last segment. If you like material from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. You got one of two ways we help fire your questions if you have them for this podcast. First one is by Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind the letters EM they mean does not matter. So I send these in by the Twitter timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. I'll be with you guys every single day throughout the MLB baseball season, which means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.